Hi everyone, Jason here. On May the 14th, Stephen and myself will be appearing with the one and only Mark Lewison at the Pavilion Theatre in Dunleary, Dublin. We're going to be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night and we would love you to join us. For tickets, go to paviliontheatre.ie or nothingisrealpod.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Nothing Is Real, a podcast about the Beatles. Everybody thinks they know the Beatles, but how much do we really know? My name's Jason Carty. My name's Stephen Cockroft. And we're live on tape from Dublin and Belfast. This is a bonus episode. It's a little snippet of a recent conversation that we had. And uh, who did we have that conversation with, Stephen? Uh, Danny Sywell and Fernando Perdomo. Yes. So they are currently um, out and about promoting a brand new uh, release, which is called uh, Ram On, the 50th anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. And we were lucky enough to get them uh, talking to us. And uh, we're going to uh, give you a snippet of that conversation now as a bonus. But we did do a second kind of wider ranging, longer conversation with Denny on his own. And he kind of covered everything, didn't he, Steve? He did. So really talking about the Ram sessions, but also uh, his, his work in Wings and uh, all the way up uh, to Live and Let Die. Yes, and and uh, his uh, you know his relationship with McCartney up until the into the twenty first century. So we're putting that up for subscribers on Acast Plus. So if you go to nothingisrealpod.com, you can learn about um, how to go and get that episode if you want. But this is a snippet of the conversation that we had with the two of them about the new album Ramon, the fiftieth anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. Enjoy, because as I understand it, Paul he's not on the album, but he's given his kind of background salute of approval uh, and that that uh, that must be great for everybody involved <laughs> I, have, I have a funny thing i say about that you know when we first when i first gave denny the idea of doing this he was totally on but the thing about denny is that he is a responsible adult being a uh, of his of his age, and he decided to text paul and said hey um you know he literally said um a friend of mine has got a recording studio and he wants to do a new version of Ram and he could get the original sounds. Uh, it's just something that's cool. You know, can we do this? And, you know, Paul wrote back five words, but five words from Paul in a text message on a phone in front of my face about something I'm involved with sent chills down my spine. And it was <laughs> like, go ahead, have fun, you know, something like that, something as simple as that. And that was the fuel that that i mean we started the project on december 13th we started laying down the drums and we were done by by uh by mid-february uh no even earlier maybe like beginning of february and it was just like 
having that energy of Paul, you know, giving us the blessing was, was rocket fuel. Cause we were just like, you know, Oh my God, he's going to hear this, but this is going to be a lot of fun. And it's really cool. And, and again, his, his entire thing was have fun. And we did. Yeah. We really well, you just have to do it. Don't you? <laughs> oh yeah. No, it had to happen that, that point. And some of the tracks, some of the tracks, we just obviously, uh, We'd, we'd start with a trick, click track, but obviously we, it didn't have the same feel. So I would just play drums along to the original CD. <laughs> we had the absolute feel and tempo of the original CD and then build out from there. Yeah. And it's obviously, uh, for, for, to Fernando, it's obviously an album that means a lot to you. I was eight years old when I first heard it. And I always tell everybody that I trained my entire life uh, to do this because um, it's a record that's very special to me. It's a record that shaped my ears. You know, it's like um, there's a technique that a lot of engineers use, especially live sound. They'll pop in a CD that they're really used to. And it seems like a lot of engineers, they like the Nightfly by uh, <laughs> Donald that, Fagan, that Donald Fagan record, which, which has drum machines, so it automatically is a no-no for me. But they always pull out, it's a wonderful day to be free. And I'm, you know, it's like it always happened when I'd be on tour and I'd walk in and I'd hear that. I'd be like, oh, they're, they're tuning the sound system. Ram influenced every fiber of my being from songwriting to guitar tones to the way the vocal is placed. And something that's really interesting about Ram is – um, there's a video that went viral recently about uh, it could be the first indie album. Um, it's cool to see all the different genres represented and also to see the intense scene changes, like too many people being this classic rock guitar anthem going into Three Legs, which is like a, a porch. Like a, when I when I always think of Three Legs as Paul's Blues Man song, where it's like I can imagine him being this old blues man on a rocking chair with a, with a dog next to him playing the guitar. Well, when I walk, walk my horse upon a hill, no walk my horse upon. When I walk, walk my horse upon a hill, when I walk my horse upon, when I lay me down, will my love love me still? You know, I remember as a child, like listening to this record going, man, that's that's really bizarre, but it works. And there was something about the way that it goes from heavy rock to blues to a ukulele track, you know, which that's the thing. It's like when you think of the ukulele and rock music in 1971, it's like, is he? laugh you know it's like it's like a tiny tim you know tiny tim was the ukulele um and it's almost like a novelty instrument and i feel like ramon is one of the first times a ukulele was used in an actual sad melancholy song because uh there's an old joke um uh, steve martin once said you can you can't play a sad song in a band <laughs> I've seen him do that on Carson. It's very funny. Yeah, and it actually inspired my friend Gail Skidmore to write sad songs on the banjo. Whenever she plays, you know, people expect it's going to be super, like, super, like, like happy, you know, and she'll start playing a song that will just make you want to just, you know, pull the covers over your head and cry. 
you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, it goes to Ramon, which then goes to this, you know, amazing Brian Wilson Beach Boys type thing with Dear Dear Boy into a, you know, multi-part epic, you know, insane uh, composition like Uncle Albert into Smile Away, which is, uh, you know, like, like a, 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 a 50 style, you know, dun, 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 you know, like blues type thing. And it's really interesting because what Paul taught me was at the time, let's say 1988, all the music I was exposed to on MTV and stuff like that, you would hear Bon Jovi song and then the next single sounded exactly the same. And then the next single sounded exactly the same guns and roses. You know, one song sounds exactly like the next. And the thing about Paul is that he taught me that you don't have to put out an album of singles. An album is an organic piece of work that is, uh, you know, it, it takes you somewhere. And you pop in, when you pop on Ram and you go from too many people to backseat in my car, it's a journey through an entire movie it's like a film it's like imagine if 007 was all chase scenes it would have no, <laughs> it would have no no impact you know imagine if if a comedy if if a comedy only was was punchlines it would be that have no impact you have to have a story you have to have a running line and the thing about it is that the that the beatles had already set this level of you know we weren't just doing that 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 they that to Eleanor Rigby to Revolution Nine to the second side of Abbey Road. And Paul proved on his records that he was one of the main impetuses to the Beatles' versatility. Because the of course, you know, Paul is an incredible songwriter, but also his voice was at his peak in 71. That was one of the hardest things about this record was casting the album singer-wise. Uh, and we brought in a lot of incredible people and you know, Denny was like, look, I've got to make the final choices. And we had multiple people try each song. And there was a lot of situations where there was like, oh, man, this guy would have been great from a marketing standpoint or from a, you know, story standpoint, but somebody else beat them out. And really, it's an incredible process because Denny was there five feet away from Paul singing these songs, watching this behemoth not just sing these songs, but play these songs perfectly and create these songs. And, and one of the things that blew my mind was when Denny told me that the backing track for Halsey, for, for Uncle Albert Alma Halsey, is one take all the way through. The drums, uh, the drum guitar and acoustic guitar and electric guitar, all the way through with a guide vocal. Yeah, that was, that was something I actually meant to ask. It was I, I had always assumed that that was recorded in sections. And, you know, that these little sections were recorded and then Paul took them away and stitched them together and, and, and got the orchestral back. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a George Martin arrangement, I think. Well, the George Martin arrangement for the strings, but that's Paul's that's Paul's. Yeah, but that, but that was that was just recorded straight through. Straight through. But, you know, then the overdubs and the strings. and Yeah. But there's a recording. I think I've heard of recording where it's just like. Paul either on a piano or an acoustic guitar, um, and then and then uh, freaking Hugh Hugh McCracken on an electric guitar and Denny on drums, and that's the the track that we hear in the background that everything was overdubbed. I mean, it's it, I mean it's a 
I, I honestly believe, I think if Uncle Albert, if he ever pulled it out live, I think people would lose their minds. So he hasn't, uh, he's never really played in the live arena. I'm really interested to hear what you had to say there, Fernando, because first of all, I think if you listen to McCartney 3, he is still very much a guy who thinks in albums. That album exactly has a beginning, a middle and an end with deep, deep feeling in the middle. Who starts, an, who starts an album with an instrumental in 2021? Paul does. Because <laughs> he's Paul. And, and that's uh, not just an instrumental, but a kind of a jam. And again, that's Paul going back to the, hey, I have a new band and put our new album in the first thing you hear is Mumbo, which is a jam, you know, and, and it's really interesting to see that Paul is always testing you and saying, okay, look, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what I feel is going to be the best statement that's that I'm going to look back on and say, that was me in 2021 that was me in 1971 that was me in 1972 even stuff that even records that have not stood the test of time like press to play and and pipes of peace oh steven loves press to play i I will not have a word said against press to play play. i love press to play as much as i as 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 it didn't hit me for a while uh because of the production you know being and also being so heavily dominated by session musicians it still is an incredible record compared to everything else in 86 because my god 86 87 88 are the are what i consider the weakest time in record one one of the things one of one of jason's theories uh (laughs) jason is a great man for a theory um is that you know, a lot of those albums that, I mean, you know, Ram was a huge critical, was was a huge commercial success. You know, you had that hit single, the, the album got to number one, Admiral Halsley got to number one, but it wasn't critically acclaimed at the time. Wildlife wasn't critically acclaimed at the time, but Jason's idea is that you can more easily appreciate it in retrospect, you know, where you can see where they fit in the arc of the career. And it's this point that we were talking to Danny about where, Wings is sort of building up to what I think is the pinnacle, which is live and let die. You know, you can see the journey looking back where you, you when you're in the middle of it as as a member of the buying public, record buying public that's just come off Abbey Road, that Paul's career really doesn't make sense um, when you're in the middle of it. But looking back, you can see the logic of what he was doing. You know, the university tour, the building up the band, the getting that organic sign man i mean in many ways paul's um paul having to live up to the beatles is kind of the same way like when you're the son of someone or you know and it's like oh my god you know it's it's the un uh, the unbeatable and how do you how do you come back after being in the greatest band of all time. And Paul did it the right way by, you know, yeah. putting together a new band and going on tour playing, you know, Buddy Holly covers in uh in, in uh, cafeterias of colleges, you know. That's that and Paul did it again with Run Devil Run, you know, and, and with B and you know all the times that he's or or better example, you know, the fireman. You know, electric arguments, you know, uh, it's more than more than the, the stripper music that he did in 89 or whatever. I, I, I actually just recently, <laughs> I recently uh, rediscovered Strawberry Ocean Ships for us. And oh, yeah. it's I, I actually would I not I'm, I've only been to a strip club twice, but I can <laughs> two more imagine, times than me. <laughs> the, coolest stripper, the coolest stripper ever. 
stick to that record because it literally sounds stripper music, but it's really, but it's it, again, Paul isn't just gonna gonna you know be the dancing monkey for the money. He is gonna give something really interesting while still preserving that genius, and it's a it's a it's a really cool thing. But this is something important. When we first announced this record, um, I saw two different reactions, either very excited or why the hell does this exist? <laughs> and the kind of the cool thing about Paul is that generally he's never treated with indifference. You either yeah. absolutely go gaga for it, a.k.a., you know, uh, Band on the Run, a.k.a., flowers in the dirt aka you know chaos and creation that's like oh my god he's back he's incredible or you love to hate it like the way people go crazy about wonderful christmas time or or you know freaking uh fuck you and stuff like that the thing that makes the difference between a great artist and an artist that just falls out of out of, of interest is the fact that when they put out stuff it creates discussion and it creates interest because it's either extremely positive or extremely negative but there's none of that middle ground and it's like i i feel like you know a lot of the problems that i'm seeing with a lot of artists these days is they're super popular then they put something else and no one talks about it because it's good but it's a hash of what they've done the thing about paul is it was shocking to see him a follow-up abbey road with mccartney an album full of instrumentals full of experimental tracks i mean the goddamn album ends with a freaking drum solo with heavy breathing on it and i love that because as a kid i was my first love was the beatles when i was six years old and then i started going to flea markets with my family and Basically, they would give me five bucks every Sunday, and instead of buying toys, I bought records. And five dollars back in 1988 would get you ten records. So I amassed a huge collection by the time I was, you know, in high school. And I luckily found a lot of the good McCartney stuff. And um, it was really interesting to see, you know, I get McCartney. I had heard maybe I'm amazed, and to pop the record on and hear bizarre things like you know freaking mama miss america and and uh and and the hottest son and and uh uh, core and uh even even like man we was lonely and stuff like that it's not what you expect because again that's the sign of a true artist i have to admit i i i had a totally different experience but same kind of timeline as you i'm really interested to hear your experience because i was a a kind of a young teenage Beatle fan in the late 80s. And I thought, well, once I bought all the albums, I better buy some Paul albums. And I, I bought a couple of them together. So I remember getting McCartney and Ram and Red Rose Speedway. And I couldn't figure them out. I, I It took me, I, I couldn't unlock them straight away because I thought it would just be more of the same. And it obviously isn't more of the same. It's a totally different trip. And you have to, once you get the key to unlock what's happening, it's it's fantastic. But as you say, some people just don't get the key and they 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 have like a negative opinion about it. And I'm feeling you're 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 missing the point. This is this is just somebody following the muse, doing their own thing, 
and you just got to you just got to go with the process. And once you kind of plug into what's happening, they are great albums, but it, it didn't happen for me immediately, I have to admit, because it's a it's a, it's so it's so kind of personal in a way. Some of the things he's doing, even if they're abstract, they're still personal to him. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, you know, what an interesting career, because <laughs> Man, I mean, he's taken some incredible left turns. Even Wings was a left turn, you know. Yeah. He could have, he didn't have to start a band. He didn't have to, you know, fly a, a, a New York session drummer all the way to Scotland and take him under his wing. And, you know, he could have found anybody over there. But that's the thing is that Paul, he built his career on relationships and he was very loyal. And he was also. For someone that seems like, you know, a lot of Beatles biographers view him as, you know, the ego of the Beatles. For someone who seemed to have the biggest ego in the Beatles, he is the one who always relied on, you know, on, on collaboration. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, this this is one of, the things, one of the things we said to Danny at the beginning, which was just it's... 50% of what Paul does, it's about the relationship that he has with the people around him, with the with the players. You know, you could be the best musician in the world, but if you don't have that uh, sort of spark or you don't have that personal interaction, it's, it's not going to work. It's true. Um, so, so can we expect, can we expect, we, we expect this to be turned into a live gig at some point? We're working on it. We're actually, we're actually in the process now of talking to the musicians that are on the record that are live in LA about getting together and jamming soon uh, and seeing if we could do some type of thing. Just before you you came on, Danny had agreed to come and play in Dublin. So he's, he's... <laughs> I, I I have never been to Ireland. I want to be in Ireland. I want to play Ireland. I want to party in Ireland. Uh, we're gonna I, have to we're gonna have to buy two pints of Guinness, Jason. Oh yeah, we're no, have to no, buy... dude. I don't. I barely drink, but I love Guinness because it's it it's it it, it just. It's well, you'll, you'll get you'll get on file with Jason because he barely drinks, and then Danny and I can go somewhere else. I haven't had a drink in thirty years. Oh no, you're on your own, Steve, and you're drinking for four. <laughs> in fact, in fact, when I did a gig in in uh, Balina, uh, it was with the World Classic Rockers Band. We went from Shannon Airport up to Balina. It was like a two hour drive, but we turned it into seven hours because they stopped in every village. At a pint, you know, in every pub. So I was told when you're in Ireland, you have to have a pint of Guinness in Ireland because they give it to you. It's so good they give it to you in the hospital. 
So every time I went and I had my Diet Coke and we had this little Irish guy with us, he was our, our guide kind of, and he kept looking at me and said, now let me get this straight, sir. You mean you don't drink at all? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't drink at all. He goes, oh, you must be one hell of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But it's you, you. It's not necessary to stop at every pub. It's not every pub, you know. It's no harm, I guess. It does no harm, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, my my grandmother used to drink uh, a bottle of stout uh, once a day. Once, one, yeah, every evening she she had that. She lived to be yeah. thirty five. No, she lived to be a right of right. <laughs> um, this is fantastic. I know we've kept you for a long time, but I, I mean, wanted, the, but uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is uh, I asked Denny. I'm like. You know, Paul was Paul was famous for 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 always. You know, whenever you would the drummer would leave the drum kit, he would get on the drums. And I said, is any point, any point during Ram did Paul sit down at the drums and say, "Play it like this"? And I was surprised when Denny told me that every drum beat he came up that you hear him play in on Ram, on Wildlife, on Red Rose Speedway, on you know Live and Let Die. That's all his creations. And only once Paul said, well, try something different. And that was for, uh, um, for Admiral. He just said, Hey, well, instead of playing a beat, can you just break it up a little bit? And he came up with this amazing part. So it's a really cool that, that Paul really collaborated and wasn't like heavy handed and said, yeah. okay, this song is called too many people. And this is the beat you're going to play. No, it was a real collaboration. And Paul put the trust in a guy that he had just met because they, they recorded another day he said three days after his audition so every band is only as good as their drummer this is the universal truth drummers are the best people and you cannot have uh you know no great band can survive with a bad drummer this is just it's very true because a good band with a, a good band with a shit drummer is not as good as a okay band with a great drummer. Exactly. Because you have to have that pulse and you have to it, it keeps it together. It's 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 really it's really important to have a solid foundation because if everything else is okay, the drums will make it sound great. If everything else is great and the drums sound like crap, it really it really comes across bad. Um and uh I have to say, Denny at seventy-eight sounds exactly as Denny at twenty-eight. He's 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 better. I mean, he's 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 just got it, and he still hits the drums very hard and very good, solid. And I had fifty and, years to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's all it's all been it's all been building up to this moment. And so when 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 is the when is the album out? I, I, the it's coming out on which is uh, happened to be the same day that Paul's putting out his remaster because it is 50 years to the day. It's, yes, not, a, absolutely. it's, not, a, it's not a competition here. It's <laughs> very important. It's the most important Ram Day in, in history, you know? 50 years of Ram Day. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the half-speed uh, remaster that's coming. I, 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 got, I, got a, I got an advanced copy. <laughs> no actually a lot of people don't understand what has to be mastering it it's basically if you master the record at a different tape speed it, it creates a bigger bad bandwidth yeah. when you speed it up. it's the same thing that you um if you record a, if, i don't know if you guys are musicians if you had a four track machine the yeah, faster, I had a task on four track yeah yeah the faster the speed is the better quality 
because then when you slow it down, it's like that. Again, it's the half speed mastering that makes it a bigger wideband thing. So it's not, it's not going to, you're not going to put it on in here, slow motion. I was, I, I was going to say we could just we can just now have an hour while you play us the half speed master uh, over we we'll put we we'll put headphones on but is there I, I know Ram on is coming out on CD is there any plans that you might have a vinyl release at some we point just, or make it to make it come out on time the plan is if it sells well enough and it will uh, we'll do vinyl for Christmas you know but we're 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 pushing it very hard on the it's, I have to say it's got a lot of traction ah uh, yeah. yeah a lot of people talking about it not not least because. Danny's doing three interview, three interviews a day. You know, very so. the material's good. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask one more question? Because I'm really curious. Because when I when I listened to it, we got a pre-release, and I was listening to it, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure was it going to be reinterpretations or not. But there's some really faithful sounds on the album, which is really striking. And I, I particularly was amused by the the way Ramon, all the kind of the piano glissandos and those kind of studio accident noises are recreated. Was there any particular moment on the album where you couldn't figure out what you were trying to put back together? Because obviously with recording, you know, the final mix, sometimes there's magic there that you just can't get in between. That That's a good point. This is, this is something I have to say uh, as a response to, uh, a certain amount of people that have said, I don't recognize the names on this record. I'm not excited by the lineup. Uh, there's a difference between Ramon and other tribute records. Every person on the record is not just a Beatles fan, not just a Paul fan, not just a Wings fan. They are Ram fans. And everybody on the record has distinct Ram memories and distinct Ram influences. And when it came to putting this record together, nobody really had to learn the songs. Everybody kind of already had these songs in our DNA. And um, going through the record and creating, recreating a lot of the sounds, it was important to us that not just the sounds, but the vibe was there. And uh, man, I mean, it was a lot of fun to dissect it because even though Ram is a, uh, you know, Ram is, is, is a, it's one of my favorite sounding records of all time. And a lot of it goes down to the fact that, man, I mean, compared to a lot of other recordings, there's no synthesizers. There's not a lot of organ. There's not a lot of uh, like, like artificial anything. So we wanted to make sure that it's all real drums. It's all real instruments. Aside from a couple of keyboard overdubs, it's all not, not even, we didn't even use synthesizers for, for organ sounds and stuff like that. It's real sounds. It's real, real roads and stuff and real everything. Can, can, can I ask a, a, a very technical musical yeah. question? Yes. Were you able to find a 1971 New York City phone book? <laughs> Here's the problem. I found out that you're not supposed to sell phone books on eBay because of personal information. And number two, even if you do, the 1971 uh, Manhattan phone book was designed by Peter Max, so it's a collector's item. Ah. So, um, unfortunately... So it must be, I mean, it must be sort of that thick. It, <laughs> it, it is. It yeah. is. Well, there was a joke that when uh, Billy Amandola played the uh, phone books, we had to double him because uh, Denny was like, I think he used a Brooklyn phone book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it got we got the sound but it was just like 
there was a certain magic to uh, whatever phone book Denny used, and you should have kept it, dude. I was gonna say you, you, you know, you're the archivist. You have the acetate labels, but you didn't keep the phone book. That's yeah, right. that was bad. That was <laughs> that's yeah, fantastic. That, that's an important phone book too. It probably has you know Laura Nero's number and and uh, David Geffen's yeah. number and you know the Night Stalker's number, all sorts of other stuff. But you know whatever. <laughs> but yeah, 1971, man. Uh, what an incredible year for music. What an incredible. Uh, era to be a part of Denny and for you to be this session drummer that walked into an audition in an undisclosed location on a crappy rental drum set. And that I didn't realize too, that when you auditioned, you didn't know you were auditioning for McCartney. So you, you, you just being natural, acting natural scored the gig of a lifetime and played yeah. on the soundtrack of our lives. You know, I mean, these, even people that aren't that aren't that, that aren't huge McCartney fans know "Live and Let Die" and "My Love." Yeah. You know, God, these are these are uh, these are earthquakes in the history of rock. I mean, these these songs changed everything. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I partnered up with this man. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there you that's, go. That's the thing is that is that it was really cool to see Danny inspired. And to see Denny having a great time, and man, we have a good chemistry. And uh, uh, I, I, I want to do more. Uh, there's a couple more records that we could do. Oh, we got. I was going to say, are we going to have a 50th anniversary of Wildlife and uh, Red Rose Speedway? Uh, yeah, yeah. The full, the full double. Get them all. Why not? Well, as long as as long as you as long as you promise to come back on the podcast when when of these course. records, you know? <laughs> of course. And, and you know, the thing is that is that uh, my God. I, 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 I adore his drumming and I like the fact that he really brought the spirit of the recordings. So, so that's another thing that makes this tribute record not so much a tribute record because every living musician on the record is on it aside from Paul. Because obviously Linda and, and Hugh McCracken are gone, but we were able to find Marvin Stam, who played the original trumpet solo on uh, yeah. Uncle Albert. Uncle Albert. Funny because I just Googled him and I found this website and it had a little page that said contact me. And I put them together and they taught and Denny and, and Marvin talked for the first time since then. And they're yeah. <laughs> and and we found and it turns out that that Marvin and Dave Spinoza live in the same town. And uh you know. And, and Dave Spinoza used the same guitar he used on another day on our new version, and Denny used the same snare drum that he used back then. So it's, this is—is is this is this your father's snare drum? Did I read that somewhere? It is. It is. Oh, oh, bring it out. Oh, great! That's incredible. I, mean, that... I have it right here. Hey, look at that! He doesn't have the same underwear he wore back then, though. <laughs> that, wow. is such, that is that is such a cool thing, and it was your dad's, hey, you know. Uh, Leedy Broadway. I can see the engraved hoops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Gotta be the twenties or the thirties or something like that. I was gonna say thing. it's like a kind of big band. It's really a great drum, yeah. All right, Danny, tell them the story about the drum kit you used on a rail. Oh. <laughs> this was a mind blower. <laughs> The the uh, the audition went down and my friend Frank Ippolito, who has a pro drum in New York, called me up and he said the Museum of Famous People in um, New York is going out of business and they're having an auction. They have the Beatles drum set from the Shea Stadium show. And I'm going to the auction. Do you want them? I, I want the snare drum, but you can buy the, the toms and the bass drum if I get it. 
I said, well, I'm not a millionaire, but see what you can do. So he calls me up and he says, I got the set, man. I'm keeping the snare drum, but you can have the two tom-toms and a bass drum for 300 bucks. Sold! Wow. So two days later, I'm in the studio at CBS 52nd Street. Paul walks in, comes over, shakes my hand, says hello. He says, you ready to go? And he looks at the drum, does your drums, and he does a double take on the drums. Left the Beatles head on it and everything. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. It was meant to yeah. be. It was and meant it, to be. And, I, and then I found that the, there's a video, there's a photo of him cutting Ram, and I saw that 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 Blue Oyster Paul Pearl, and I was just like, wow, this is, he's he's right. Holy crap! I mean, now that I, I never I never distrusted Denny, but I was just like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, it is true. Where, where are they now? Those drums. Uh, I sold the drums back to the drums shop uh, because I bought my first set of Gretsch after that. I, I just fell in love with the Gretsch sound. Yeah. They, they were good, but they weren't good for all uses, if you know what I mean, uh, playing all kinds of music. And, and I really could get any sound that I wanted out of the Gretsches. So I sold it back to, to Frank, but, but I kept the head. Good man. Good idea. And the head turns out that it's worth, you know, somebody just paid $2 million for one of this set. So I was going to say, it must be worth more than $300 now. I don't know where it is. I had it, I had it at my mother's house. I had it at my Uncle Bunny's apartment in New York. I had it in a cartage place in, in the city. And I, when I went looking for it, it wasn't anywhere. I don't know what happened. Oh, to it. no. It'll, it'll be somewhere. It'll be in a storage unit with the two track of the band on the run. With us. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, right. It's, it's the last place it's, you look. That's all in the one place, you know? Fucking brilliant, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but one last thing is I, 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 um, I am a huge fan of Denny and I, I love Paul's drumming too, but I, I, I really wish Denny would have cut Ben on the run because uh, when I first heard those songs, I heard them on, uh, um, uh, somehow I didn't find Ben on the run until after I found wings over America. So I first heard those songs on wings over America with a big full sound. And I remember being disappointed by, by, especially the drum sound uh that studio in lagos was a complete dumpster fire and yeah. uh, they didn't get a good drum sense i can see where this is going i can see yeah. where this is going we're, we're gonna get a 50th uh the denny the denny sywell version of uh band on, band the, on the run in 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 uh 2020 i've done it with done it with denny lane at the beetle fests Denny, Denny Lawrence Juber and the and the, the the Liverpool band, you know, we did it several times. And then and then, and then Denny's version of, 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 of Venus and Mars, and Denny's version of and Denny's version of Press the Play. Hey, that's that closes everything well, out. Here, let me, be, while we're on this subject now, <laughs> and let me put a shameless plug in for my jazz trio. Oh, dude. I have two records out, one called Reckless Abandon and another one called Boomerang. And Boomerang looks like this. Is my mouse pad from Boomerang? <laughs> but uh, we on the on Reckless Abandon, which came out in 2012. It's on all of uh, streaming services. We did five McCartney songs in the jazz genre. Is that I? I think I've heard "Live and Let Die." You did "Live and Let Die." Yes, we did that on Boomerang. We did it like a, a big. Uh, it's an organ trio, so it's a music with a beat to it. You know, so. Uh, uh, I sent it to Paul after we first cut it, you know, and I had Al Schmidt mix it. So it's just really well done and everything. Paul's just 
he couldn't stop talking. He loved it. He really loved it. I told him, why don't you play that as your play on music when you're going on stage? <laughs> He said, yeah, it's not my idea, so it ain't going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, people should check that out because if they go to dennysywell.com, there's loads of uh, information about those albums there. They're, from, they're, they're, they're well worth checking out. And gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Ram On, the 50th anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram, is out, surprisingly enough, on the 50th anniversary of Ram, the 14th of May. 2021 via Spirit of Unicorn Music and it features such fantastic people. I'm going to look at a list here. Uh, Carney Wilson, Eric Dover from Jellyfish, Joey Santiago from the Pixies, Durga McBroom who's worked with Pink Floyd, David Johnson from Elton John's band, Will Lee from the Fab Foe who's just this fantastic Beatles tribute band and he was Paul Schaefer's bassist for years as well. Fantastic uh, group of people and uh, we've heard it and it's, uh, it's, it's quite the treat to hear some of the original people and some of the new people make this fantastic album yet another thing for another 50 years. Yes. Yeah, it, it's a real pleasure. And, and we, we, are, we are so proud of it. And uh, so far, the reaction has been incredible. So thank you so much for believing in this. And thank you so much for, for interviewing us on, about, on it. And, you know, tell I the told you I had a spot in my heart for Ireland. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we, we, we're going to hold you to that promise of coming to Ireland as soon as the world opens yeah, up again. A few more jabs and then we'll, we'll all hang out together. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Take care in LA. Have a wonderful day, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to Nothing Is Real. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, why not become a member? You'll get access to ad-free content, bonus episodes, and so much more. Follow the link in the show notes, sign up on ACAST Plus, or visit our website, nothingisrealpod.com.